Welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host from the city of Chicago, and I didn't just have to stop and remember which podcast I'm introducing. That's the main thing to remember. Joining me here in Chicago is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. I'm under protest. Also joining us, the director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer. The secret sauce! Oh, it's all it's all confluencing right here. The Pulaski River is going to show up. That's the radio show, Jed. Oh, dang it! Now we, we this isn't this isn't radio audience. We don't have we don't have the energy to maintain the fifteen minute radio show for an entire hour. We That's all just right. die. Well, hey guys, how are we doing? It's Jeb Brewer in the morning. <laughs> we can't do that. We can't move in on slapping the weasel's territory. They won't have it. That's right. We'll just do the normal show. We, we, we won't do it in the normal way because we're a man down. That's right. Lee is uh, one of regular co-hosts. Lee Younger is on special assignment with Young Life once again. I don't mean to tell tales out of school, but he's in Spain. Ooh. Maybe you've heard of it. That's in Europe. <laughs> mm. That's right. It's the Spain that's in Europe. Not the other one. <laughs> right. It's not Spain, Arkansas. Right. He's helping some folks out there doing some ministry training and uh, helping out with some music for a week at camp, and we wish him luck. But we also know he thinks he's better than us. Definitely. And he is. And, uh, we don't. Well, it's it, the fact that it's true is the reason we don't care for it. Yeah. Yes. We have, we get looked down by we we get looked down on by a lot of people. Sure. Right. And you know some of them don't have a case, and some of them, the ones that stay go yeah no, that's that's yeah. that's actually fair. That's right. But here's the thing, I declare a Lee's not better than us emergency. Wow. wow. Well, I if it leads to Lee not being better than us, then I fully support this emergency. Yeah, I don't see how that could be, but yeah. Well, we'll see where we come. I'm, I'm going to make a case. Okay. And here's the thing, Lee and our our, our friend Thomas. Uh, went to Europe. Okay. Now, that's pretty cool. Sure. To do ministry stuff. That's mm. awesome. Here, here, I maintain that this is slightly cooler. We do ministry and Europe comes to us. What? what? That's right. It was We uh, we were at the, our, our bridge service last Tuesday and uh, myself and our, our friend Tasha were standing out front, uh, greeting the people, welcoming the men. And uh, four uh, very well-dressed young ladies came up and looked very confused. And we looked very confused because... Br- the bridge is not a fashionable place. Yes, yes. it has many wonderful qualities. Uh, we intentionally keep it pretty casual. Yeah, and uh, the, these young ladies explained in their delightful uh, South London accents that they were in uh, Chicago for a Christian conference of some sort, mm-hmm. and they had uh, like one of the sp- I guess one of the speakers was I think either associated with or the pastor of one of our bridge churches. Right. So they said, "Oh, well, we have a free night, and that was cool. I, we liked him. Let's look on the website." See if they have something going, like Bible study or small group or something, and we'll, mm-hmm. we'll go do that. Um, so this church lists partnership with the bridge as a Tuesday activity. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So I said, okay, Tuesday bridge. They look it up. It's like it's if you're li- it's one of those things where if you know the geography of Chicago, it's really not even close. Right. But if you're out of town, you know, you just look at, you look at the map. You're like oh, it's, yeah. you know, it's like two miles away from the normal church. So right. That's fine. So they they showed up in the middle of this atrociously bad neighborhood. Yeah. Got the train. Uh, lovely floral print. You know, dresses and whatnot. You could go to church and arrived and said, We're immediately aware that this isn't that. Yeah. Can we stay anyway? <laughs> That's pretty brave when you think and, about and it. No doubt. And, and they did. And yes. uh, they participated. And it was lovely. Yeah, they and they had it. a nice time. And suck on that, Lee. That's right. We have Europeans. Yeah. Deal with that. Yeah. 
we've had uh, people from Canada there. Right. Which is no, no, no big deal. People no. from New Zealand? <laughs> yeah, people from New Zealand. Well, that's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty classy right We've had people there. from Florida, which well, we were concerned about that. Yeah. yeah. You don't want that. We, yeah, we have people from Florida every week. So. Well, that's yeah. true. We had the Swiss there. That's sure, right. Which we, I thought was great. Did not, you, everyone, did, not everyone thought Did you think was that was great or did you almost kick off an international incident <laughs> by horrifying the Swiss? Well, just a little bit. Uh, but yes, the, I, I, once again, we'll repeat. You say that top tip. Uh, apparently, our friends in Switzerland are not aware of the aphorism "skeletons in one's closet." Yes, because <laughs> Glenn said that during his sermon, and these kids looked freaked out. Yeah, they they thought we were doing some witchcraft <laughs> in there. But uh, you know what? Uh, uh, we got we got some cool people. Shout out to the bridge. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. So maybe we're a little more classy than you think we are. That's right. Okay. That's right. So don't don't go thinking that just because you go to Europe, you're more classy than we are. Right. That's right. You know. And obviously, we we as we mentioned on the show before, we want to make clear if you're if you're a super fan from a, a far flung exotic location like New Zealand, or London, or you know Knoxville, and you want to come to the bridge, we'd love to have you. We mm-hmm. we think a lot of our super fans. Uh, the one thing we just email ahead. Yeah, you don't want to pull the just the, the, these these fine folks pulled up that we just showed up. So we didn't know what this is, and that's great, yeah. but uh, that won't work every time. Well, you know, we've been making some changes now that we have you know uh, international fancy European contention at the bridge. Oh, yeah. have we? Yeah, we absolutely. So, I mean, uh, by fiat declaration, all French fries are now served with mayonnaise at the bridge. Very oh, European, very sophisticated. I, I wasn't in on that meeting. Yeah, no. yeah. The water fountains now mineral water. Mm. You know, sparkling. Oh. Yeah, you know, okay. very nice. And the key thing is we've switched the side of the street that we drive on now. At oh, the bridge, so are we drinking horses milk now? Is that the? We are, and literal thing, we have a roundabout. We do have that's a roundabout. There's a roundabout in front of the bridge. We have a roundabout. No one knows how to use it, but it's yeah. there. <laughs> that's how European and sophisticated we are. Yeah. Well, right. that roundabout is specifically put in, explicitly put in, so that people fleeing the police. Don't have a straight shot. So right. I'm not sure how sophisticated it is in practice. Don't ruin yeah. my moment. This this is our moment to be <laughs> this, fancy. This is our moment. We, we had uh, recently, fairly recently, a host a team, a group of people that came and helped us out. Uh, and uh, they were uh, Danish. Sure, yes. And I said, well, you know who I like is Kierkegaard. Mm. He's, he's Danish. And they said, yes. <laughs> And if you come from a far fung land to the bridge, I, yeah. I want to I want to give you the super fan. Uh, I want to equip you to do well with Glenn, and here's how you do that. Glenn knows at least exactly one trivia fact right. about every nation, culture, and people group. Yes, it is incumbent on you to be super impressed. Right when he hits you with that fact. That's right. I will. I will. I will hit you with like I know a thing. You're welcome. And then you have to be pretty excited. It's up on you. Like I, I never would have thought anyone would know that. Right. Yeah, we had like years and years ago. Uh, we had a, a a Korean church would come, and we had a, a buddy of ours who's Korean, and he had uh, was in leadership in the church. And so there was all there were all ladies, and they cooked food, and it was just unbelievable. And uh, they they came in, and I I said, ladies, kimchi, am I right? And they were like, yep. And we had a moment there. We had a connection. See what I'm saying? We're international. That's my whole point. That's the key thing. And uh, so just because you're going to Europe, don't think you're better than us. Europe's coming to us. That's right. Yeah. 
We're we're you know what we are we're sort of an international destination. That's right. Absolutely. It's like Monaco. Yeah, it's very know, much like that. Or like the French Riviera. Yes. Or the bridge. I feel like I think we can go ahead and make this announcement public. At this point, we have a donation box at the bridge. Sure. Um, and we are now accepting euros. Yes. So yep. we will we will be before we weren't. Mm-hmm. If you put them in there, we would just burn them. Yeah. But now we will accept euros. Yeah, we would just wipe our noses with them because we didn't even know what they were. Exactly. We and we thought it was Monopoly money. We thought it was like a prank. Right, yeah. But uh, on that basis, I declare a secondary emergency. Whoa. Wait, what? Okay, here's what I'm talking about. Is that allowed in this new sophisticated age that we're living in? We're, we're working I... a fully parliamentary procedure now, so yes, it is. Yeah, oh, so, well, then. Yeah, we'll we're see. unicameral. That's right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that, that, that wins the fanciness award. That's yeah. well done. We're getting super fancy. Now, here's what happens when you start getting fancy. Which, does not to be confused with unicameral which is when you can only have one Kirk Cameron movie. That's, <laughs> that's right. No sequels on that. <laughs> Here's what I'm saying is, uh, you know, I want us to get fancy. Sure, yeah. Sure. But it's important when we do that to remember one of our most vicious, vicious feuds, Oh, which is against the one fancy person we can never align ourselves with. Okay. And I'm speaking, of course, about Neil deGrasse Tyson. Well, sure, absolutely. Who is I'm unaware of this beef? But go ahead. We are we we are in the most vicious possible feud with him. Okay, and I mean it's like like I don't think it could ever be. You know what I mean? What's the the source of this particular beef, as it were? Well, as you know and remember, he said Pluto wasn't a planet. Mm, yes, that. And I don't think he he like kicked that off. I that's think scientific consensus at this point. I'm saying he's dead to me, okay? okay? Okay. So this is what I'm talking about. I've had enough. Because this other thing, I don't know if y'all saw this, this was in the newspaper recently. Yeah. But oh. you know what he does is, like a movie comes out, right. everybody likes it. Yes. And then he swoops in there and just takes a giant scientific dump on the whole thing. Because of, you know, how scientifically accurate it is or isn't. Right. Right, okay. You're like, this isn't real, that's not real. But, uh, As if right. the reason we like the laser swords is because we think they're so plausible. Right. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> the plausible laser swords was a fairly boring movie, i got to yeah, be honest. That's right. So, uh, you know, uh, so, you know, we've all had enough. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. But he came out recently. This yeah. is true. This is a fact. I read this this week. He came out in, on the news and he said, you know what? There's one thing in Star Wars that's true. Okay. And we're all like, what? Well, do we even care? But okay, what is it? It better not be, better not be midichlorians, because I'll be angry. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. The one redeemable thing from the whole franchise. <laughs> exactly right. He said, it's the scene in, where Luke Skywalker comes out and there's two suns that are, there's two sunrises on the Okay, two sure. And he says, that could happen. Okay. Okay. Okay, first of all, I think you're you're he he's purposely ignoring the one thing that has made me the most furious that has ever happened on this podcast, and that's when one Matthew King oh. suggested that Chewbacca was not real. Okay. Okay. I'm looking at him. Right. I'm not hallucinating it. Right. That's Chewbacca right there. Right. See what I'm saying? Sure, yes. Sure. You're trying to say two suns floating in the sky. Yep. That's realness. Yep. But there's no Chewbacca in that. You know what? That's beef is on. Okay. Uh, now, here's here's my question. In this new fancy age, and, and you know, those of you, of course, this is an auditory medium, but um, Glenn, to celebrate his fanciness, extended his pinky as yeah. he enjoyed his beverage there, which, well done, sir. Yes, that was in my Piggly Wiggly uh, uh 
uh, uh, insulated holder of my bottle of orange soda. Your so f- we're not all the way there yet. Your <laughs> fancy koozie. Yes, that's right. Um, in this new, enlightened, sophisticated age in yeah. which we find ourselves, yes. um, and rightly so. Mm-hmm. We're going um, to get Glenn a Latin koozie that says Pigless Wigless. <laughs> <laughs> is beef is on, is that still the preferred nomenclature? Oh. Is, that, is that how we want to express these things? Yeah, there should be like a, a slapping of the face with a A glove. gauntlet? Yeah, there should be that. Yes. The gauntlet is down, I yes. guess. The, or maybe like uh, puffy shirts, yes, and dueling pistols, yes, right. That yes. feels more like what. what well, that's definitely how do. we would declare it. But to, to Judd's point about the terminology, um, I think we, we just take what we have because mm. you know people know what beef is on means. That, that's very right. clear. Yes, right. so we can we can class it up. And filet is on. Ooh, yes, right, yes. Beef that's Wellington right. has been served. That's there you go. Right. Wellington, Wellington is on. Wellington is yeah, but because this is I can't have it. No, absolutely. You know what I mean? Chewbacca's real. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, Pluto's a planet. Right. And why don't you just beat it? Chewbacca's real. Yeah. Pluto's a planet. Yep. And Europeans love the bridge. That's what it is. That's what's up. Okay, so we win fancy and deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not sure we're going to keep our positive reputation with the, the erudite, educated people of the European continent. If when they come to the bridge from now on, Glenn meets them with a rant about Chewbacca and two sons, <laughs> <laughs> just well, yeah. just full on in the middle of it. Hey, saying there's no Chewbacca, but there's two sons. Like Tatooine's real place. I'm looking at him. He's right there. He's seven feet tall and hairy. This one, first of all, uh, doctrine's important. Yes, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> sure, we must adhere to the truth. Yes, you know what I mean. If you're trying to tell me Chewbacca's made up, when I've seen him with my own sure, two absolutely. eyes, you're looking right at him. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. I, he is both in nature and in substance, Chewbacca. That's right. So uh, we're talking about fake news, y'all. Yes. You know yeah, what I mean? That's right. But don't believe what your eyes see or your ears hear. Just believe what I tell you. You know what I'm saying? And on that basis, <laughs> I declare emergency off. Good call. That was going to go down a path. And I think you at home can pretty much Guess plug that in going. for yourself. Yes. We uh, we do thank our, our friends from London who came to the bridge. And again, we've we've had people visit from many lands. So, uh, in all sincerity, if you listen to the podcast, if you're going to be in Chicago for for a conference or work or whatever, just uh, send us an email. Let us know. We, we'd love to have you. We'd love to get you to the bridge. We love uh, having our, our podcast folks meet us there. It's a fantastic thing. Now, I will also say that both Glenn and I have had occasion to be in Britain and meet amazing uh, podcast superfans who informed us that one of the, the charms that this show has is that essentially we are monkeys at the zoo to them. Yeah. Because right. as much as we are uncouth and a little bit rough around the edges by American standards, we are apparently so much more that by right. British standards. Right. So, uh, you know, just, uh, we know. Yeah. Howdy, y'all! And hello <laughs> from the Say That Podcast! Pew, pew, pew! <laughs> yeah. Just constant banjoing. <laughs> and uh, it's not that far off. Yeah, you know. And also, if you're a, a super fan who hasn't had a chance to make Chicago yet, but you like a little extra bridge in your life, you can always sign up for Bridgebox. Ooh, you yeah. get sermons that Glenn and I preach live at the bridge. You get songs that Jed and Lee make. Also, our folks like our friend Pete will show up there with a pool house guru with uh, songs every week at Bible mm. studies. You get all sorts of good stuff. And it is uh, more, most importantly the number one way that people like the show can support the ministry we do here in Chicago. Only $8 a month. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. If you want to check that out, again, MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. All right, let's jump to our first question here. If you this all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways to get in touch with us. 
First question comes in anonymously, and it says, How are you able to quote Scripture so easily? I have a hard time memorizing Scripture, and I've been a Christian my whole life. Any tips? And go ahead and watch kicks off here. Well, I can quote Scripture so easily because of my brains. Whoa. Very smart. Your inherent holiness? (laughs) Yeah, my so holy. Yeah, no, I think... uh, it's it's uh, a lot of uh, people want to do Bible knowledge and Bible memorization as a bit of a sport, you know, as a bit of a competition and a showy-offy kind of thing. And, um, and sometimes I think uh, the rest of us don't want to compete in that and they don't want to be that, but we also kind of feel bad that we're not up in it mm-hmm. in a way, you know, like... Shouldn't I, I? I don't want to be caught up in competing for that because that's just silly and that's not what it's about. But also, I should know basically as much as Trevor does about this. And also, should, should I feel a little bad that I don't want to know more Bible? Right, exactly. Uh, like, yeah, am I weird catch 22 here? <laughs> yeah, so, so once again, this, this attitude just making everybody feel, feel terrible. Uh, so don't have that. But uh, I think the. Uh, First of all, I think there's very little to zero importance behind the idea of memorizing where things are in the Bible, which is what a lot of people, I think, mean when they say that. Yeah. Where I remember the verse, but I don't remember where it is kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Um, If you don't have a a Bible verse or or 10 or 20, the way I do on my phone, go and sign that up and go to your app store and hook that up. That's easy as it can be. And you can look it up and figure it out that way. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's, that's what that stuff is there for. Well, it should be said, I think it's a great moment to jump in, that um, when you hear or see us um, pulling scripture, it's often on the show, or maybe you're listening to the Bridge podcast, and you're hearing around give a sermon, or you're seeing a blog post. Um, that, that all has the benefit of pre-preparation. Yeah. And uh, nine times out of ten, I know for me, and I think it's the same for these guys, as one saying, it'll be, okay, I know it says this somewhere. Right. And I'm going to search the keyword, and okay, it's in this verse, as opposed to, well, just off the top of my head, well, as the yeah. book of Corinthians reminds us. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's yeah I, I, know, I know this concept is in yes. there, this phrasing is in there, Yeah, yeah. and then yeah. I go find the chapter and That's verse. exactly right. Yeah, I, I, I probably know bio, more Bible than a huge percentage of people in church, but I couldn't tell you where any of them are, because mm-hmm. that's what I do. I just type it in my phone, and wherever that is, that's, that's, what, that's what's up. Or one of the weird uh, things people may not guess about prison ministries, those dudes know the Bible. Oh, yeah. yeah like, they yeah. have all day, so you yeah. can just, you can more often than not say, you know, the thing about with that, and they'll just know that, they'll know yeah. it. So yeah, you yeah. don't have to know Yeah, it. that's right. Yeah, so I think what's more important than knowing an isolated verse uh, that you've memorized here or there, or you know what the what the reference is and all that kind of stuff, is having a breadth of knowledge, knowing mm-hmm. it uh, in a more comprehensive sense, uh, so that you would be familiar, as as uh, Matt is pointing out, with themes, concepts, phrases, passages, mm-hmm. and so forth. Uh, because it's important to step back from scripture and take it in as a whole to see what's going on. I I think. We talk about this on on the podcast quite a little bit, but I think it's really important to read larger chunks at a time rather than trying to um, uh, to to memorize stuff for the sake of just having it memorized. Um, uh, I would also say that I, I I in my case I'm remembering what I've used. That is to say, what I've used in a counseling situation or a prayer mm-hmm. situation. Uh, uh, with a, a, a sermon that I'm preaching, that kind of thing. Um, 
I, I, I tend to read scripture, and part of it is you, you realize, oh, I know the person who needs to hear this, and let me kind of write that down and send it off to the person, that kind of a deal, or bring it up to them. So, uh, you know, that, it, that's a little bit of a different thing for me, so I end up using that a little, little more in, the, in that kind of way. The last thing I want to talk about that the Bible mentions that isn't much a part of Western church culture is the idea of meditating on Scripture. Mm-hmm. And um, that'd be a good thing for for you to look at in your life, in your walk, that um, uh, th- that a lot of what's in Scripture is multi-layered. Knowing the actual verbiage is great, but it's also about you know taking that passage and being able to um, really focus on it, look at it, you know, take that into your prayer life with the Lord. You know, Lord, what does this verse say about me, my situation, what's going on with me, uh, as opposed to uh, just let me know what those words are, or to have uh, a sense of what is the doctrine behind this? What you know? What what sort of things does this suggest theologically? Those kinds of things. But how does this relate to me? How, what is it about this verse I need to be focused on in my daily life? So we're making that personal, and we're meditating on that. We're we're allowing that to to go kind of back and forth in our mind. And I I think Christians need to do a whole lot more of that than than necessarily just memorizing. Yeah, I think it's a great point, Jed. I think that that ties into. Um, a, a way we can give some some tips in this, which is to piggyback exactly off, off what Glenn's saying there. Of um, we often use the analogy of if you if you sit down and read how to you know fix a car engine, you will retain a certain amount of that. If you actually have to do it, yep, and go through it, that's that's literally different pathways in your brain. Yep. So uh, maybe as Glenn is pointing out here, if we focus on some other things, the the memorization. The retention part will happen on its own. Yeah. So, what do we need to focus on? What's a healthier thing to focus on to get there? No, that's a great question. I think you know. So, I had a funny experience. I was essentially a math major in college. I, I took a lot of math classes. And pardon me, nerd. Yeah, no, nerd. it's true. And here's the thing about math, right? Is it's you know, it's a whole lot of formulas. There's just endless, endless, endless formulas. You know, and and uh, your a squared plus b squared equals c squared kind of thing. Oh, I know that one. Uh, there you go. News. There you go. You got I, it. I, I know one math fact. You so. got it. And those two link together. It's awesome. Okay. Also, a Greek fact. Yes. Bonus fact. Now, here's the thing is there's enough formulas nobody can remember all of them. That's just not a possibility. And so I can't tell you how many times I'm in class and the professor or a TA, who knows more than everybody in that room put together, comes to – somebody asks him a question and he goes, oh, I don't remember the formula for this. And he will derive the formula on the spot. He knows the principles that inform the formula, and so he'll just take 30 seconds and he will derive the formula he needs. And he's correct. He's perfect, or or she. He or she is correct every single time. Well, the thing about that is there's a person who knows the formula and there's a person who knows how to derive the formula. The one who knows how to derive it is the one who gets it. Knowing the formula, it has some value. Understanding the formula and how you get there, that has a lot of value. And so it is actually with Scripture. Knowing Bible facts has some value to it. Mm-hmm. it. It would be wrong to say that that's worthless or useless. That's that's not true. But understanding the deeper reality that informs those Bible facts, much, much more important and much, much more useful. Having a framework of what Scripture is, how it how it fits together, how it works together, that's the thing that, that really, really matters matters. And that points to perhaps a bigger thing, which is, I think in the church, we have a way of 
we have a way of spiritualizing things that are not spiritual. Memorization is a skill. Um, it's not a mm-hmm. spiritual skill. It's just a skill. Um, you know, uh, you can get better at it and, and not just for memorizing Bible stuff. You can memorize anything you want. You memorize the periodic table, whatever you're into between, you know, drilling and flashcards and mnemonics and, and what have you, you can, you can develop a better memory than the one that you have. There's nothing spiritual about that mm-hmm. at, at all. Well, to, uh, to build on that, it's also something as it is just a, a natural skill. Different people start off with different baselines and have yep. different ceilings, you know, yep. I can train, uh, and sprinting from now until the day I die, I won't be as fast as Usain Bolt. Yep. Because that's just the genetic lottery we were handed. And I think we don't think about mental or academic things in those ways, but it's exactly the same concept. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And there's not a moral component to it. If you could be as fast as Usain, you wouldn't be a better person. I mean, that's kind of weird. Right. Um, I'm, I mean, I might. <laughs> we try it. Sure. You can outrun your, your worst instinct. Sure. You can't catch me, bad thoughts. Zoom! If you memorize uh, 1 Corinthians in the original Greek, you're not a better Christian for having right, yeah. done that. You right. know, as, as Glenn often points out, right, so devil knows every word on every page. Mm-hmm. It hasn't helped him. Uh, that's, that's not how it works. But as Glenn is saying with, with meditating on Scripture, when we internalize what Scripture is saying, when we take it into our hearts and make it a part of ourselves, then it does. Bec- then it becomes a spiritual thing. At, at that point, it is something with real depth and meaning and significance. And I think the, the funny thing is, well, I'll tell you one more story. So the place that my dad w- went to seminary had a very, very famous lecture for their New Testament sequence. Um, he was, at the time, one of the preeminent New Testament uh, scholars in the world. Uh, he literally wrote the book on it. And um, there was just one thing about him is he was actually an atheist. Uh-huh. He, he didn't believe any of it. He, he okay. just had a great expertise in it. Uh-huh. These are two completely separate things. Yeah. The thing that we want to develop is... What does this mean for me and the Lord? What does this mean for me and my walk? What does this mean for, for me and, and my life? Some of that, we may develop some degree of academic knowledge. That's great, and that's fine. Um, and a certain amount of that is useful. But the thing that really, really matters, again, is taking that the truth of Scripture into within us and, and wrestling with them and talking to the Lord about them and meditating on them and, and letting those affect our life and the way that we think and the way that we make decisions. And as we do that, we're going to know Scripture in the way that I think the Lord intends us to. I think that's absolutely right. Uh, t- there's, a, there's a Bible verse, which I did not know off the top of my head. I looked up. Oh. Um, that proves this, that uh, reinforces a lot of these guys talking about. This is in Psalm 119, verse 10 and 11. David says, I seek you with all my heart. Do, lot, do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And again, to the point, I, I, thought, I know there's the I've hidden your word in my heart thing. I have no right. idea where it is. I typed that in. Turns out it's in Psalm 119. So now yeah, you know. There you go. But again, I think that does point to this idea of, and you know, we talk about the Pharisees a lot on the podcast. There's a, you can know it all, but mm. I, on, are you letting it seep in? You know, is, mm-hmm. is, is this really getting into what you're doing? As these guys are saying, um, the more you do that as a long term thing, just more stuff's going to stick to your ribs about that. You'll be able yeah. to recall it. Go yeah. Ahead. And just to, to tack onto that, I think uh, uh, what you're demonstrating is. That the what you did, you didn't remember the whole verse. You remembered the phrase, you know, yeah, story the core in my concept, heart. right? Because what's what's funny about that is it's such a rich phrase. Mm-hmm. You need to kind of meditate on that for a minute. What does it mean to store the word in your heart? Does that mm-hmm. mean to remember it exactly? Well, it's more than that, isn't it? And it's is it to 
uh, always obey it? N- n- no, because it's about st- something mm. about the heart. And, then, and I know more about David's story in the Bible, so I know he didn't yeah. always obey it. So how does it play to that? <laughs> That's right. So, uh, so I need to go. I need to to get a cup of coffee and stare into space and think about what that mm-hmm. means. And and when we're preaching stuff, that's what we're looking for. Is we hit that verse, and and it, you get sort of the warning light on your dashboard of like, there's a lot more meaning behind this than you think there is. Take some time, think about it. So when you're preaching it, you're going to unlock that meaning. I think that's absolutely right. It goes back to something Joe was talking about there about you know not just trying to um, have this exist in its own space as just a sentence or a paragraph or chapter I try to uh, I try to memorize the more connected something is to everything around it the more likely you are to remember it that's just how memory works you know mm-hmm, if you think mm-hmm. if you took like an english class in, in high school or something and they made you know memorize the to be or not to be soliloquy mm-hmm. you know you can do it if you as jed pointed out if you have a mind to do that you can do it very various degrees of, of safety but the the lines that you can quote from your favorite movie or tv show you can just pull those off the top of your head. And that's not because it's necessarily because it's easier to remember or it's better written or whatever. It's because you associate that. You can see yeah. the whole scene in your mind. You mm-hmm. know the setup. You remember the voice of the character who's saying it. So mm-hmm. the more uh, connected these things are to everything else, actually, you might think, well, that makes it harder to memorize. There's just more stuff hold, but it just it makes it a little easier to pull in the way we're talking about. And one last thing on this, I have the the ever-rare Say That Book Christian Book Recommendation. Uh, you may have heard of Eugene Peterson. He's the guy who uh, trans- translated the message uh, translation of the Bible, which we all we all think a lot of and use a lot in our work with folks who aren't super churched. Um, he's actually written, he's a very pretty prolific author on the side of that, on top of doing that and being a pastor. Um, he wrote a, a book called Eat This Book, which is about the way he approaches Scripture, and it's got a little, you know, a little set for you know read it and sit and think about it and then journal it and then come back the next day and it's it's not for everyone and I will say if you're only familiar with Eugene Peterson from the message his books are a lot uh, in some ways a lot less uh, reader friendly he's he's an academic dude these are these can be pretty uh, dense ideas but if you're looking for some on that and if if you like the vibe of the message I would definitely recommend eat this book all right we're gonna move on to our second question here it comes in anonymously and it says. I've been to more than a few Bible studies in my day. At the end of them, there's generally a designated time for prayer and testimonies from the week. I love to Bible and I love to people, but I'm not, and I'm not saying I don't love the prayer, but what is one to do in a situation where it drags on and on until you can see yourself physically aging? <laughs> wow. You know, Glenn, if you have questions, you can just ask. <laughs> <laughs> off, you know. I have a co-host. Let's call him Schmatch. <laughs> Doesn't God know our thoughts? How, quote-unquote, intense do we need to pray? And why is the, fra- the go-to phrase, press in? Prayer makes me want to press out. Wow. I like this question. Yeah, I like the moxie. <laughs> yes, yeah, I like the spirit behind it. Uh-huh. Um, and Glenn, why, why don't you start us off here? Because I think there's a lot uh, going on here, and it's is something that we think about as people who lead small groups and mm-hmm. you know d- put together a service. Uh, there is corporal prayers is a good thing, and it's in mm-hmm. the Bible, but it's not the same as your private prayer time, and it probably shouldn't yeah. be. So how do we? Yeah, how do we balance that? Well, yeah, I think at, at some point it um, it. it we lose the thread on what is the point here. Mm-hmm. That's 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 a real thing. I mean, you you can't say all prayer is good. So the more we do of it, the better. Uh, you know, at some point you do. I will need, be heard because of my many words. That's the, the Bible does talk about the many words. 
It's for it, right? It's not at all. I only memorized part of that verse, so I just know it's in there. <laughs> I don't know where it is in the Bible, but I can look it up because I know it's in there. Yes. You see what I'm saying? Sure. Um, the, this idea that, um, and, and it's talking about how non-believers or, or you know, believers of other religions, I guess is a better way of putting that, think they will be heard because of their many words. And this idea that prayers get better and or more effective in some sort of way because there's more verbiage happening there. And that becomes sort of a sport. It becomes a competition, like we are talking about in the previous question. And that's not what prayer is all about. Uh, so I think we, we need to start with the idea that long prayers are not better on any level, and that's in the Bible. So we can we can start there. Um, I think a group prayer needs to be real. It needs to be short, and it needs to be free of uh, any sort of a fad anything. We all appreciate that that um, uh, the, the brother who wants to start and end every single phrase with the word Father God. You know, somehow all compressed into one syllable. Right, Father God. Yeah, um, there's nothing wrong with a Bible study leader tapping that person on the shoulder and saying, why did you, you you know, you got a way of doing it and do it however you want to do it, but um, why don't we just talk to God? Why don't we we see what happens with that? Uh, Because what we're trying to do is free ourselves from a religiosity. We're trying to set ourselves outside of ceremonial type things. We're trying to get ourselves outside of the idea of this needs to be in some way formal, that this needs to be in some way correct. And the way that I might do that if I was leading that Bible study is to say, you know, you use a certain amount of lofty language, you use a certain amount of artifice. You know, there's a, you know, Heavenly Father, we, and in the fullness of the manifestation of the holiness of the uttermost, and we come unto thee. And so, well, okay, but um, the way I would approach the person is, like, if you want to get down like that at your house, rock on with it. But... When we're having prayer together, it's important to recognize we don't want to suggest to someone else that that's the way they should be praying, because it's not. We can put up with you doing it and being ridiculous with it, if that's what you want to do. But what we can put up with is everybody else being ridiculous to follow your lead. So um, you might say, hey, y'all, before I start praying, I do it in a really stilted and stiff and formal way that is not in any way intimate, you should not copy me in that because I, I, I have a hang-up about that. That's fine if you want to do that. But, uh, you know, I think it's important to, to recognize that um, it's important. I, I think the, the, what the Bible is saying when it says, you know, don't, don't use the many words, is it's trying to say it, you need to come to the point. You need to come right to it. You need to say what the thing is. It's important in our in our one-on-one prayer life with just us and God that we do a lot of listening. You don't have a lot of that obviously going on in a group prayer situation. So um, let's let's tell God directly, exactly, precisely, come right to the point. Don't be around the bush. Don't give me a lot of these and thous and therefores and unto these. Just tell me what the deal is. What do you want? You know, say it straight out. That's important. Uh, if we let that religiosity go, 
uh, we, we're going to get closer to something that's more real and more vital. And we want people to feel like when they're hearing us in a group context praying, that they can have that boldness to come to the Lord in their individual prayer life with the same kind of authenticity and honesty and none of that artificial put upon affected delivery. I think it's a great point. And Jeff, I'd love you to pick us up there because I think uh, Glenn is pointing out something very important that is uh, often a difference between corporal prayer and kind of private prayer time. And that is uh, goals. Yeah. I don't think we often think about, um, and maybe some church tradition, we don't often think about goals when it comes to prayer. Sure. Because prayer is just good. Yeah. So the goal is to do good and right. be good. But if we're, um, you know, not to get all, uh, you know, uh, science fiction here, but there's the observer effect is real. Sure. If someone's watching you do something and you know it, uh, this inherently has a performative aspect. Right. I mean that negatively. I mean, just you, you are doing this aware that someone is, is watching you. So as opposed to, I think, some people who would say, well, you, you know, I push through and I just talk how I talk and that's fine, but... You know, you don't want to get on the floor. You wouldn't just, if you just lay on the floor praying at your house, you probably wouldn't do that in the middle of the Bible study because that's weird. So it's going to saying, you know, we want to be authentic. We want to be authentic. We want to be uh, real in our prayer life. But we also are in company. Yep. So what does that balance do for our goals? And how do we maybe, if you never thought about having goals in prayer before, how do you look at that? It's a great question, man. I think one of the things that's a challenge for folks in any kind of ministry leadership, and that could be a volunteer facilitator of a small group Bible study all the way to a senior pastor that's over a multi-campus plant, is everything kind of should have a goal to it. I mean, um, it's not super healthy to have things in your life that you do just because. Uh, We have always done this, therefore we will always do it. That's not great. Um, and particularly with church stuff, it's really easy to fall into that. It's really easy to have a thing of, you know, we, we sing songs because we have always sung songs. That's just what we do. You should think about what the goal is. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, I think it's rare that God wants something to be in our lives just for an inherent reason. I think, I think he has a functional thing in mind far more often than we, than we give him credit for. And if we aren't thinking about what that goal, what that sense of purpose is, it's really easy to have things go, even in subtle ways, kind of off the, uh, off the rails, uh, because it's not really tethered to anything. It's just, you know, uh, whatever we feel like. So one goal, I don't know if it's the only one, but one goal of kind of our, let's all share prayer requests and then we'll have a, a, a prayer time. One main goal should be about actually growing a sense of fellowship, that we are being vulnerable with one another, we're being open with one another, that we're uh, sharing our burdens, um, that we're encouraging one another in the mix, midst of our victories, that we are, as Scripture puts it, we are rejoicing with those who rejoice, and we are mourning with those who mourn. That actually a corporate prayer time where we all get to share praise, you know, prayers and praises, and then we pray about it, that's actually a really cool way to do that. But now here's the key thing. Um, every goal that we have will be best served by a proportion by a specific serving size, right? Um, there, there's all kinds of stuff your body needs in a certain proportion. Too little water is very bad for you. Too much water is actually also very bad for you. They're, they're, I, know, like I, I know I was going to be busy next week, so I just ate a pound of salt this week. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's like a cake that's 99% sugar. Exactly right. You know, that's not a cake anymore. Yeah, that's right. So if we, if we have a thing where we say, everybody, you have five seconds to share your prayer requests, then a 20-second prayer, 
That's weird. Yeah. That would be odd. But if it's an hour of sharing prayer requests and then a a long drawn out prayer, that's too long by a huge measure Mm -hmm. and is kind of defeating. That's not really serving this purpose anymore. The other thing you asked, uh, it's it's funny, you asked, why is the go-to phrase press in? I have no idea. I've never heard that one before. Me either. I'm kind of thankful all of a sudden. Me too. What I can guess, though, is people in all kinds of fields, it's not just Christianity, it's not even just religion, people always want to feel like they're taking things to the limit. Yeah. Like they're kicking it up a notch. We're we're taking what we did last time and we're doing that plus one, right? Which there's nothing inherently wrong with, with that desire. But a lot of times when you see stuff that looks kind of just weird around Christianity, I think it's very, very easy. It's certainly easy for me to um, think that there's something uh, – that there's malice behind whatever that weird thing is. But I think oftentimes it's people trying to be hardcore and not sure what direction to point that in. Um, and I think a lot of the stuff that you see around prayer is that. Uh, is people who who really want to be serious about their faith and really don't know how to live that out, really aren't sure quite what direction to to point that in. Here's the the direction I would encourage you to point it in. Again, one key goal of this prayer time is being vulnerable and encouraging one another. Be hardcore about encouragement. Be hard. Be maximum strength. Take it to the limit with encouragement. And that isn't just for that prayer time. Follow up with that person. If they said, my job is rough right now and I'm going through a thing and I need y'all to pray for me for strength this week and that's on Sunday, email them on Tuesday and ask how they're doing. Let them know that you're praying for them. Be hardcore about that. That is good. It will help that person. It serves the goals of this community and this group and you will enjoy it. It all works out. It's all good stuff. We got your back. Absolutely. I I will share a quick uh, story. This is one of our, our bridge pastors several years ago. And he he was he was coming along in his journey towards being an effective preacher. He might have not have been all the way there, but one thing he had nailed down is he had his little uh, you know little notebook, mostly notebook, and he'd go around and ask people, "How can I pray for you?" And they say it, and he get his pen and he'd write it down. And then here's the critical part: as Jed saying, the next month when he was the bridge, he'd find that guy and be like, "How's your mom?" Because we were supposed to pray for your mom. She was sick. And here's the thing: you if we were to drive guys home and say. Who'd you like to say? Pastor so-and-so. That's my dude. Right. And we all heard that sermon. Yeah. That's and right. we know that that wasn't based on that sermon. Yeah. The sermon got better the more Absolutely. he prayed for him. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And in the same way, we need, as, as Jed is saying, it's not, there's nothing wrong with any of the, uh, the goals, probably the wrong word, the desires these people may have to build some community and get people involved in their life. Uh, you don't do that with fancy praying. And you don't do that with, as, as we, we, we knock it a lot on the show because it annoys us. But we don't know what's coming uh, sincerity in and of itself achieves nothing. Right. A sincere effort to do something achieves uh, untold amounts of good in the world. Mm-hmm. But just having sincerity is not really, really it. And I, unfortunately, a lot of churches don't do a great job um, making the, the, the making the difference clear between effort from a sincere heart and just kind of indiscriminate sincerity in a lot of places. I think that goes, and it's an important point to, to underline, to Jed's point of malice, when you say, well, you know, what, what's with the, the press in? We don't know. If I had to guess, I'd say there's some conference or book where someone mm-hmm. said it, and it catches on. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that that desire is inauthentic. That probably mm-hmm. means this is someone who, if I had to guess, someone running a small group who is not sure if it's going well or not, because they're not getting feedback either from the church leadership or necessarily from the people in the group in a way that they that they can handle 
So their their default for a lot of human beings is just well more. Yeah, mm-hmm. we will yeah. do more. We will press in, and mm-hmm. I will feel good about that because I right. know it's being good. <laughs> um, again, one of the, you can uh, you can start the revolution of unclenching all this by saying, you know, I really like this group. I think we all get a lot out of it, and I thank you for being here. Yeah, and you might head some of this off at the pass. Some yeah. of it's just cultural, and uh, we, we again we 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 gripe about Christian culture a lot. And I'm not sure we always do the best job of. Uh, pointing out that there are some things that we are annoyed by uh, culturally uh, Christian stuff that is entirely harmless. Sure. And yeah. we ju- it's just the way people do it. And mm. that's fine. And it's 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 a way to blow off steam to kind of, you know, roll your eyes at it, but mm. that that's different than, you know, the one guy who's trying to take up 45 minutes of this meeting with his own prayer <laughs> right. for for how amazing he is. That's right. that's insane with a little bit of, you know, especially if it's younger folks, if you're in a college group or something. There's there's going to be a certain amount of with the father gods and the mm-hmm. the when I was uh, in college it was the uh, the dude who opened up prayer hey God it's so and so because he was trying to be real casual you know, sure, right. sure real cool but it's all you know it's it's all reaction to stuff and it's all people trying to figure out how they do this so yeah. if if we're on that and they're otherwise good people you can have a lot of you know you can just go to your happy place right. and hear white noise and then kind of right. kick back in once they're right. into the thing. A little survival tip from your friends here at the Say That Podcast. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to jump to our final question here. It comes in anonymously. It says, Hello, I don't understand in Matthew 24 what Jesus means by the signs of the end of time. He mentioned the abomination of desolation, referring to a passage in Daniel. What does that mean? Jed, what indeed? Well, the third Zeppelin record... But wow. before the fourth one, right. there's a bootleg, yeah. the Abomination of Desolation. It was the B-side of Houses of the Holy. Exactly right. Exactly right. You got it. You got it. What does it mean? Oh, Weirdly, I... it was an eight-minute John Paul Jones bass solo. <laughs> Did not sell well. Nobody wanted that. Bassolation. <laughs> uh, what does it mean? I have no idea. That's a great question. Um, uh, do, you, do you feel your, your walk with the Lord has been held back all these years by not knowing that? Yeah, no. Oh. No. Uh, and, and I particularly feel that way because I've, I've read uh, the Bible commentaries and nobody knows what that means. So uh, that's, that's a good one. So, but this is a great question. So let's, let's give you a real and actual answer. So um, the, uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 24, um, Jesus is talking about the end of the world. Uh, but actually, if you can dig it, He's kind of talking about a bunch of stuff really all at the same time. Um, so if you, if you look at, um, uh, if you look at uh, a commentary, what it would tell you is that in that chapter, and again, there's a lot going on, some of that has to do with events that happened pretty quickly actually after Jesus died. Um, you know, the, uh, the conquering, uh, uh, empire, the Romans came in and really messed up, um, uh, Jerusalem super hard. And, and some of what he's talking about undoubtedly refers to that. No question. He's also hearkening back that phrase, the abomination of desolation harkens back to, um, the book of Daniel. Uh, and in Daniel, it's actually a reference to a, it's probably anyway, a reference to a Syrian ruler who did come in and defile the temple on purpose, um, and, uh, then was, was fought off and it's, it's a whole thing. Uh, but one of the things about, uh, uh, prophecies and, and whatnot is that nobody knows for sure, for sure, um, exactly what all those things mean. And that's Okay. That's that's actually all right. And we, we want to be wary anytime there's someone, particularly if they have a code that they've invented, uh, who tells you, I know what all of this means exactly, exactly for sure. Because that's, 
That's not exactly the way that, that prophecy works. What we do know for sure is that God is in charge of this world. Um, no matter how bad things look, God is still in charge. That no matter um, how how dire things may seem, God has not abandoned us. God God is with us. It, Glenn is fond of saying, and rightly so, that the the theme of the Book of Revelation is God wins, and um, and he's right. That that is the point. Anytime you're wondering about stuff in the Bible, particularly something like this, it's a great idea to pick up a commentary, a good commentary, and read what it has to say. We're big fans of William Barclay and the Daily Study Bible. Uh, He's got a whole thing about this. Um, uh, uh, I read it earlier today. If you read it, you'll know basically as much as I do, so uh, you'll you'll have it sorted out. Uh, But... This is, this is the key thing. This is the, the really important stuff. And this actually harkens back to our first question. Uh, you will not become more of or a better Christian or a more impressive Christian if you know more details about Matthew 24. Um, there can be reasons why it's useful to know that stuff, uh, and that's fine, and that's lovely. It's not, you know, as the Bible says, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful, and that includes Matthew 24. But you don't magically become a better or deeper or more serious Christian by knowing a bunch of stuff about the end of the world. Um, and here's why. There are a lot of Christians, I think, who who struggle with feeling like whenever the Bible talks about the end of the world, it's an all-bets-are-off scenario. Um, we've got a loving God who cares for us and, and looks after us and, and is there for us until the end of the world. And then it's crazy and it's like a different religion and there's right. dragons and there's things and there's fire on it. Right. No. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus loves you now. Jesus loved you then. Jesus will love you in the days to come. He was there for you then. He is there for you today. He will be there for you in the future. End of the world doesn't change that. The, the end of the world boils down to God wins. There's always more details to learn about that, and that's cool, and that's fine. A lot of those are cultural and historical details as opposed to spiritual details, but it never violates the core tenet that Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. It's an excellent point, and Glenn Levy gets you to pick us up there. As, as Jed points out, there's a couple of theories that have a certain amount of uh, academic consensus and mm-hmm. about... Um, basically, the abomination of desolation that causes desolation being having to do with anything that stops daily sacrifices at the temple. Mm-hmm. Um, in 70 AD, the Romans knocked down the entire temple, which kind of did it. Yeah. Um, but how does what does that have to do with us? Yeah. Well, it's you, you do have to kind of dive into a, a bit of the sort of the symbolism of what's being laid out here. So the idea, nowadays when we have church, we don't think of the church building as sacred, sacred in that way. It's it's devoted to a special purpose, and we honor it, and we respect it. Some well, of them are very expensive. That's right, yeah, but we we don't think of it as a wholly consecrated space in that sense. It's just... God doesn't literally live there <laughs> That's the way right. they felt he did in the Jewish temple. That's right. So the, the temple was was designed with that in mind, that this is, it is holy. This is a holy place, and we should think of it that way and treat it that way and so forth. So that if you wanted to conquer the Jews in this case, you would come in and you would set up your objects of worship, your idols or whatever have you in the Jewish temple and it's like haha I win. It's like you raise your flag over the other guy's fort and that's your 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 you know whatever. And 
that is that's that's a uh, and as far as the Jews were concerned, that would be an abomination. You're you're setting up some other religion right in our sacred place, whatever. Well, um, uh, so this verse in particular, we work from the vague towards the specific. This verse in particular uh, appears to be talking about the end times. So there's that, as Jed's mentioning. Uh, it it appears also to be referring to uh, the Romans who, com- as Jed pointed out, just wiped out the whole temple. There's a there's a little bit left, and that's the Wailing Wall that still exists today, and that's what people go and see. But the idea is that um, what what was happening during the when Jesus was there and the and the early stuff with the apostles, the the Romans had a governor and sort of a, sort of a regional guy and they had sort of a puppet uh, dictator person who would uh, you know, we called him king but he was really just you know he was really the Romans guy and that kind of thing, and the, the Romans would do this all over the world and they would say okay we're coming in and we're in charge now uh, but your regional king can still be a king, so we'll just let you still have a king. So to you, not a lot has changed, but we're also going to charge you a bunch of taxes, but we're also going to put Roman soldiers here that will be stomping down on anything they don't like, but they also will protect you against invasion from other people. We're going to put a road through here, and all sorts of new trades are going to come in, which is great, so you all be making more money. Of course, we're going to be taxing that and taking it away from you, so it's a lot of pluses and minuses. But what you might decide is to be cool with it because we can squash you. So, you know, uh, you know, it sort of evens out. And there were a lot of people who said, okay, well, that's, a, that's not a bad deal. And, they, and part of that was also sort of an exchange of theologies here. You know, we, we worship your God, you worship ours, and we just, you know, whatever. Well, the, the Jews came and looked at that and say, first of all, we don't want your soldiers in our world here at all. Second of all, we consider it a sin to have a Roman soldier in our house, which we're expected to garrison that troop. And uh, we won't don't want any part of your religion, and we don't want you involved in any part of ours, so we don't like this deal. And so we're used to reading about the Romans during that New Testament time where they were in charge, but they were kind of letting the Jews do what they did. But after that, as Jez pointing out, this went into a full destruction of all of these things. And it was really ugly and it was really bad. So a certain amount of what's being talked about in, in Matthew 24 refers to that. Okay, how does this apply to you? That's what we yep, need to know, yep, right? Yep, yep, What he's talking about in this verse is this idea of there's a space that's meant to be sacred and holy. Not a physical space, just a space. It may be in your heart and in your life and in your your beliefs and whatever. Is there something that does not belong, that is unholy in that holy space that is causing a destruction and a desolation mm-hmm. and a starvation? That's really what part of what the Romans did is they kind of starved the Jews out. Literally. Yeah, literally. So it's this idea of what is that thing? For example, nowadays, for some people, that's politics. That's They're putting that into a holy and sacred place where it doesn't belong. They're mixing that in with their religious beliefs in a way that's not healthy and good. And it's it's starving out some relationships they have and starving out the God's voice in their life. So that's it doesn't belong there. But it could be that. It could be money. It could be all kinds of things where we're taking an unhealthy worldly idea and we're putting it into a sacred part of our lives and relationships and it's starting to 
it doesn't belong there. It's mm-hmm. and it needs to go. And it's 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 unsacred and it's causing destruction in our life. It's a fantastic point uh, to tie back to one of our earlier uh, questions. You could certainly put uh, seeming religiously put together. Yep. In that very space. Yeah. And yeah. On this? yeah, that's just a killer point, dude. And I think it's worth adding on to that. One of the things about anytime you're reading scripture and there's apocalyptic imagery or even prophetic imagery, which are usually one and the same, really, mm-hmm. really, it's worth bearing in mind that these are people trying to put into words things that are inexpressible. Right, um, right, the, the, this, right, yes, they they yeah. were experiencing things that go beyond human vocabulary, right. and they're attempting somehow to put that into words, and, you know, words fail. But it would be so easy, and a lot of people make this mistake, to get caught up in the imagery and miss the point. Um, again, in the Old Testament prophets, a lot of those are—they would refer to it as the day of the Lord, but a lot of that is about the end of the world. Right. I mean, yep. really, right, right, right. most of it. There's a ton of um, apocalyptic imagery, very much—and Jesus was talking to people who knew those scriptures. Right, that's um, right. He, they, they all got where he was coming from with this. Now, here's the thing is, all of those prophets, there's a point. And one of the big points is, would you please care for poor people? Right. This is God That's talking. Right. That's right. Would you please, please, please care for poor people? And foreigners. And foreigners. Yep. Uh, foreigners, immigrants, poor mm-hmm. people, the widow, mm-hmm. the orphan, yep. the yep. people on this list, yeah. <laughs> would you please, 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 please care for them? Yeah. And it's people, I think, have been tempted forever to be far more interested in the four living creatures and the beast with seven yeah, heads and the serpent right. riding that's a dragon right. on top of an orca whale right. and forget, no, there was a point here. Yeah. There was a thing that we were driving at that, as Glenn says, affects your day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that we want to keep focus on and don't want to lose sight of. It's absolutely fantastic. Two things about that. One is... I really like the idea of an Old Testament prophet having a prophecy that is not dramatic and not about the end of the world. Like, <laughs> right. I saw the 12th of September, 2013. It was nice. That's Probably cloudy. It was the first one. I'm, it's, I'm just warming up. Yeah. That's um, the other thing is, and it ties exactly what Jed is saying there, uh, that if you, and it goes to actually where we're talking about the scripture stuff too. If you want to understand that bit of Matthew 24 a little bit better, I would look to the end of that chapter where Jesus talks about the end of the world in very specific terms, one of the things he says about that is, no one knows when it's going to happen, yes. not even him. Yes. <laughs> he says, not even the Son, but the Father alone. And, and then you want to go directly to Matthew 25, which is talking about the stuff that Jed just finished talking about. Yeah, yeah. And, what, and what bridges that in between is he tells a parable of a bunch of workers whose boss leaves, yeah, and what they do and how that works out for them. Mm. They're the ones who do what they know they're supposed to be doing, yeah, and it works out well for them. Okay, they're the ones who decide that all bets are off since the boss is near and <laughs> right. do whatever the heck they want. That super doesn't work out well yeah. for them. So again, and that's not about. I think that is another thing that gets twisted. And we all grew up in the American South. We've all heard. About, is that what you want to be doing when Jesus comes back? Yeah. And I've never heard that leveled at someone who was being greedy or <laughs> yeah. mean to an immigrant. But yeah. that's what it's about. Yeah. It's not about not doing naughty things. It's about you know what you're supposed to do with yeah. the with the loving mercy and the the justice and all that. So. Being that the day and the hour is entirely unknown, chop, chop, you probably want to uh, focus the mind on doing those things That's right. and let it flow from that. But again, don't, don't, one of the main things we want to say when we already talk about the world stuff is um, don't let anybody put nonsense on you about that in, the, in these two ways. One, anybody who claims they know what's happening is literally blaspheming. Yeah. They're saying they know more about the universe than Jesus. 
Right. So that it doesn't get more, it doesn't actually get more blasphemous than that. Um, and the other thing is, as back to Jed's original point, then the end of the world, the end times, where that that does not mean an all bets are off scenario. There's a there's a very I will leave out the name. There's a very popular um, a guy who was a televangelist in the '80s who was doing all the you know send your money in with the whole thing, and uh, his new steez, I'm not making this up, is into the world supplies. Aha! Uh-huh. That's his whole. He's got his thirty minute thing, and he's selling barrels for rainwater, and he's selling MREs, and we've all got little Bible verses on them. Because it's going to be crazy, y'all. Yeah. Now, that sounds bad, but if he has a sports drink with electrolytes that he's termed Rapture Aid, Ooh. I will buy some. Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, you got to have electrolytes. Yeah. Um, but this, again, to say about that, there are people who are going to say, hey, you got to be prepared for it. It's going to be like, you got to get your, your armor. And, uh, mm. eh, Jesus literally said it's going to come like a thief in the night. What right. you want to be doing when it happens is exactly <laughs> what you want to be doing any other time. That's right. That is the point of this prophetic imagery, as Jed yeah. pointed out. So, uh, you know, I think we're all hoping for a seven-headed demon answer, because, you know, as I pointed out in the blog post, the Abomination of Desolation sounds like a B Incredible Hulk villain that they have to pull out for, like, right. Hulk 4 when they finally make that one. Yeah. It's crazy CGI, but, nah, it just, it just means, you know, st- keep your nose to the ground sound a little bit there. So, if you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Being that we are Leeless this week, we'll take out the Lee song. This is... From our, I believe it's our April edition of Bridgebox. This is a Lee song called Not Settling. Take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Introducing our new European edition of the Say That Podcast. It's basically just us and berets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not settling, not settling. I'm believing what you say about me. I'm not settling.